Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Breakfast Club on Mains Big Z. More music, better variety, always online at MainsBigZ.com. Rolling you through it on a Monday morning. Interview with Nicola Joy already up at the website. Just go to MainsBigZ.com and click on Interviews. This next interview will be up, but of course, we got to do it first. Nate Libby is in. State Senator Nate Libby. And uh, he's back, back from Fort Kent. First off, how did you get there? Was this like a, I, I'm picturing like a planes, trains, and automobiles scene somewhere. <laughs> like, I, I feel like something could, like that could have happened. So it was a, it was a carpool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a four-wheel drive SUV. Okay. And we took the Golden Road, a.k.a. Route 11, from, um, I think, Medway, all the way up to Fort Kent. So... If folks don't know, there's an entire second half of the state beyond yeah. Bangor. Um, a lot of great people up there. Um, and at the very top is Fort Kent. So I was invited uh, by Senator Troy Jackson, who's my colleague in the state Senate. He represents that area, to come up and attend the Can-Am dog sled races. This is a 20-year tradition of uh, folks from Maine and Canada um, racing through the woods in different uh, segments. I think there's a 50-mile race, a 100-mile race, and then a 250-mile race. And the temperature up there over the weekend was this many. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm holding it's, up one finger. He's holding up the one finger. And <laughs> he's not saying that? what finger he was holding up, of course. Yeah, right. Yes, right, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was kind of crazy. I saw some of these uh, racers with no face protection whatsoever. I mean, it was about a 40 to 50 mile wind gust at times. I mean, it was brutally, brutally cold. But a lot of folks, um, I guess, just, you know, they take it. It's like part of the part of the usual thing up there. That's that's wild. Now, did you must have had some folks that were like, "Hey, that beard, that beard looks like it would be pretty." You know, you've trimmed yeah. it down a little bit since the session right. started and everything. But yeah, you I mean, know. as you know, you would think that the beard helps. It actually just serves as a magnet for frozen yeah. Yeah. Uh, moisture. <laughs> it's um, true. It's true. You so would think I, it helps. I think the net effect is uh, negative. But yeah. In any event, we also went up there for a town hall forum uh, with Democratic leaders. Uh, Senator Jackson is the um, Democratic leader of the Senate. I'm the assistant leader. We also have the Speaker of the House, Sarah Gideon, and uh, Representative Golden, uh, who's the assistant majority leader of the House. We went up for a town hall session at Fort Kent University, University of Maine, Fort Kent. Um, it was really a listening session to hear what folks are concerned about up there. We had about 100 folks turn out. And um, overall, I think uh, the concerns up there are very similar to what we have down here, which is uh, folks are concerned about the economy, the ability to uh, live on a 40-hour-a-week salary, um, creating job opportunities, and, and those sorts of things. Now, there's a special spinning it back down here. Always good to hear that there's cool stuff going on up north. Also, that there's people up there too. That's nice. Uh, there's a there's a special meeting of the Lewiston City Council uh, coming up uh, tomorrow night. Actually, talk about pedestrian safety. You've you've mentioned a little bit about this before. Let's talk about that. Right uh, back in the fall, um, a few local elected officials, including myself, convened a community forum after the death of Jaden Cho Sargent. He was a 11 year old killed crossing Main Street. Um, on his way to school, and so we had folks come out at that forum to talk about um, their experience using uh, the sidewalk system, the crosswalk system, and suggest improvements that could be made. I think we had 75 people turn out. A lot of folks uh, spoke, and so we transcribed all of those uh, statements and compiled them into a report and then sort of took our 
um, sense of what most people see as the needed improvements and um, and we form those into recommendations that we are presenting to the Lewiston City Council uh, this Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night at 6 p.m. at the City Council Chambers. So the public is welcome to attend um, to also give comments on the report or just their um, observations of what the city can do to improve pedestrian safety um, in the community. We are talking to State Senator Nate Libby. More with him on the way. You're listening to The Breakfast Club on a Monday. Man's Big Z. Welcome back. Segment number two, State Senator Nate Libby on a Monday. Rolling through your 8 o'clock hour. Last week, legislator, uh, legislature voted on a supplemental state budget that funds some initiatives that were not included in last year's budget. What was that, and uh, what's all that about? Sure. I think when you serve in the legislature, we throw around the, the word the budget, and we think that everybody knows what that means, but most <laughs> of the time they don't. So we, to try to explain it a little better, we have um, last week we had a supplemental budget, um, which uh, is aimed at making adjustments to the two-year budget that's already in place. And that governs, the two-year budget governs all state spending, all $7 billion worth over a two-year period. This supplemental budget was brought forward by the governor. These were proposals that he wanted to see um, funded and changes made to the current biennial budget. Um, as Senate Democrats, we saw an opportunity to try to um, use this vehicle, this supplemental budget vehicle, to negotiate um, additional funding for treating the opiate crisis. So from Kittery to Fort Kent, we know that this is a problem that's really taking its um, taking a stranglehold on the economy and families. And we uh, have known for a while that there's a real gap in service and treatment for folks who have no health insurance whatsoever. So uh, Senate Democrats were able to push uh, for um, some additional funds for the opiate um, uh, treatment system and use these state funds to leverage additional federal funds. All told, it'll be about $8 million coming through the state that will help really target uh, services for folks who have no insurance coverage whatsoever. So that was, a, I think, a, a major victory for Maine people um, in this last week's budget. We are talking with State Senator Nate Libby. Now, uh, the, the two-year $7 billion state budget's uh, coming up. Uh, I'm sure there's some fun stuff in there to, uh, to dig through. Right. Um, I think what's interesting is that if we were to just enact the current budget that we have um, and carry it over for the next two years, basically making no changes whatsoever, we would have about a $200 million um, state revenue surplus. And so that's pretty unusual. For the last eight or 10 years or so, we've had perennial state budget crises where we've been making cuts to health and human services and education and transportation and the like. But the economy has turned around. Um, Taxes, uh, we think, have stabilized and are, are inching upward a little bit. So I think it gives us an opportunity to talk about how we can um, allocate those funds. And I think uh, Democrats in particular would like to see portions of those funds go back to Maine residents in the form of property tax relief. Because we hear across the state that property taxes are the most burdensome of all the forms of taxes that we have. So I think you know we could look at perhaps um, making the homestead exemption larger which is a, a real benefit to people who own a single home in the state of Maine and call Maine their home, as opposed to folks that own a second home in Maine or um, that sort of thing. Um, the other idea would be uh, to put more money through in revenue sharing, which helps lower the overall tax burden um, in a community. So um, property tax relief is something that I think we're interested in. And then another 
big area which we hear about often in Lewiston and Auburn is um, the difficulty that the healthcare uh, community faces. You know, Central Maine Healthcare, for example, had to lay off 30 people uh, last month. There are some real um, structural financial issues with healthcare in in Maine, and you know, the state has a significant role to play there in terms of Maine care reimbursement and and who we're deciding has insurance coverage and who goes to the hospital under charity care and free care that drives up costs on all of us. So um, so to sum up, you know, I think property tax relief is one area we might want to try to go, and another is making sure that Maine's uh, hospitals and, and primary care providers are in um, good financial health. We're talking with State Senator Nate Libby. More on the way with him. going to talk a little bit about the Bureau of Veteran Services on the way. Also uh, talk about some bills that are coming up for public hearing. And, uh, I don't know, we'll pick one from uh, question one, two, or four from the ballot uh, last last November and see how that's all working out. You'll listen to The Breakfast Club on Maine's Big Z. Breakfast Club, Maine's Big Z, more music, better variety. Segment number three, State Senator Nate Libby hanging out with us here. You know, uh, uh, Bureau of Veteran Services... Um, ruffled some feathers on some folks last week. Uh, you were ch- uh, looking at changing how the Bureau of Veteran Services actually handles certain uh, veteran uh, disability claims. Um, what's the story here? And I assume this probably might help with some of the, is this going to help with some of the backlog that's going on over there as well? Or is this just part of a, like an overall looking at everything and processes and things like that? Right. The Bureau of Maine Veteran Services is a state-funded agency and its mission is to help Maine veterans uh, access services that they're entitled to, whether that's um, uh, the GI Bill or uh, financing to purchase a uh, home through the VA or making an application to the VA for disability claim. Uh, The Bureau is supposed to help uh, veterans of all stripes access those services. What I have found, however, is that when it comes to disability claims, Um, The Bureau of Veteran Services has adopted an informal policy of um, only accepting cases where the disability claim is very straightforward or simple. So uh, Agent Orange um, um, and the complications that come from exposure to that in in the Vietnam War, in certain circumstances, those are very easy cases to bring before the VA. Um, On the other hand, um, there are more difficult or more complicated disability claims to bring before the VA and the Bureau has said that in those circumstances where a case is more difficult or more challenging or less of a slam dunk, um, quote, unquote, that um, the Bureau is not to help that veteran access those benefits. And to me, a public agency like the Bureau should be serving all comers and should not discriminate based on whether a claim is easy to push forward or not. So my legislation would basically say that the, v, um, that the Bureau must serve all veterans and that it's really on the VA to decide whether a claim should be approved or not. And what we found, of course, is that the Bureau is making that, that determination at the beginning, which is really not their role. And I think for all veterans who serve this country and for all Mainers who pay taxes, we should expect the Bureau to serve all comers and not discriminate. Seems fair enough. Another issue you've been working on for a while, young students, chronic absence from school. It's a problem. It's a problem that I think follows a lot of kids, not just through school, but I think you see it eventually follow them when they get into the adult world, uh, trying to stay employed and things of that nature. Um, What are you working on for that, and where do things stand on that? I think you've set up perfectly. I mean, this is really a problem that follows a child through their academic career and beyond. 
Um, and at those early years, age four, five, and six, that's a time when these kids, I think, are forming habits, for better or for worse. And oftentimes, it's, it's not the child at age five who's making the decision not to go to school 20% of the school year, one out of five days. Um, it's, it's a signal that something in the home life is, um, is, is problematic. So this legislation I've been working on for a number of years and basically says that um, if we've got a very young student who's missing a lot of school, we should be able to employ what's called uh, laws of truancy um, for that age group. Current law says that we can only do that for children age seven and above because um, seven is sort of that magical age where the state says that's the age where you must attend school. Um, we think that's an old, ancient law that dates back to Maine's agricultural society, but in today's world, children really do benefit from early education. And, and if a child's missing um, one out of five uh, uh, days of school, that really sets a child up for a difficult road ahead. So. Um, it's legislation that uh, hopefully will get a thumbs up from the Education Committee this, uh, this year, and then we can enact it and, in a place like Lewiston, um, try to move the ball forward where we've got um, a large number of, um, of students missing a, a large number of days of school. We're talking with State Senator Nate Libby. Coming up, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we just talked a little bit about workforce development and, uh, you know, developing workers to show up on time for things and show up each day. So we're going to talk about uh, workforce development and address the issue of the shortage of workers here in Maine uh, and talk a little bit more about a couple other things here on The Breakfast Club, Maine's Big Z. Final segment, State Senator Nate Libby here, Breakfast Club for a Monday. Maine's Big Z, more music, better variety. Just got done talking about uh, young students' chronic absence from school. Um, there's a chronic absence for a lot of folks from work because there's not enough workers here in Maine. I see it all the time. I mean, sometimes you'll see help wanted signs right out in the middle of the uh, the islands on the road uh, uh, for different things. What's going on with workforce development, and, and what are what's be, what steps are being taken right now to address it? Big picture challenges that Maine faces, put very simply, is there are more Mainers um, dying each week than are being born, and that's really problematic because um, Maine's economy is, is sort of built on this premise that uh, population will grow incrementally and that um, businesses can expect to grow over time. But um, because of these demographic issues of not enough um, Mainers being born each week, we face serious workforce shortages in the Maine economy, and we see it all over. Um, you know, a, a real sort of eye-opening example for me is talking to folks that work in home health care. And I ask them about their workforce issues, and they say that they are losing people who go work at McDonald's because McDonald's can pay more than a home health care worker um, is paid. So that's really problematic. So I think the state has a really important role to play here. In fact, if we do nothing else over the next two-year session, if we can try to move the ball forward on this issue, that would be a major accomplishment. But there are a few things we need to do. We need to be a welcoming state to people from away, whether they're from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, California, um, the Middle East, or wherever. We need more people to choose Maine as their home um, to settle to work and raise a family. Number two is we need to line up educational um, resources with the jobs that are available. So one area I think that needs attention is in the uh, field of healthcare. We've got more healthcare job openings coming up in the next 10 years than in any other industry. And we need to make sure that our public universities, our public community colleges, and our private educational institutions 
provide the offerings that people need to go into those fields and that we're turning out enough of those graduates each year. So to that end, um, I'm working with uh, Republicans in the legislature as well as Democrats to try to establish a, a select task force on this issue where we bring heads of industry in, heads of education in to map out a path where the state can uh, be more aggressively um, solving these big demographic and workforce challenges. We are proud of the state seventh annual meeting. Last question for you. Uh, question number four, the minimum wage increase last year. One of the, uh, one of the pieces of fallout from that uh, was the tip credit for restaurant workers. Uh, anything being done to address that, or is question four just going to kind of go in as is, or how's that going to work? Right. Um, question four uh, went into effect on January 30th, I believe, and so that produced um, – uh, wage increases for a large number of main workers. If you earn seven fifty um, on the minimum wage, you were bumped up to nine. And then if you um, were a tipped worker, I think you were at um, three seventy five, I believe, and you get a bump up to five. But if you were a tipped worker as well, you had an additional change, which was an elimination of the so-called tip credit. So if you work in the restaurant industry and um, you make uh, enough tips to go beyond the minimum wage, the uh, restaurant owner is not uh, obligated to pay that base level wage under the old system. Under the new system, um, that, uh, that minimum wage is still paid out no matter what your tips are. So restaurant workers saw an increase as well. The trouble here is that um, there's a lot of angst, a lot of uncertainty among um, restaurant owners and uh, servers that these changes in how um, restaurant workers are paid is going to impact um, how much uh, the volume of business that comes through the door, the amount of tipping, whether tipping will go away, um, all of these sort of pretty fundamental concerns about how the current system works. I mean, we all know uh, folks that work in restaurants that earn 30 or $35 an hour, um, and that's a terrific wage in Maine. But there is concern out there that the referendum is going to change um, how things are done pretty drastically. So there's legislation being moved through the uh, process that would restore the tip credit. Um, I think the, the difficulty here is everybody is trying to predict the future. Um, and of course, we are not very good at that as a state or as politicians. So um, I would say keep an eye out on this one. Um, there may be some changes coming, um, and we'll let you know. Talking with State Senator Nate Libby. He joins us each month here on The Breakfast Club. If you missed any of this interview, check it out online now at mainsbigz.com. Nate, always good to see you. Good to see you, Manny. Thank you. Good to see that you thought out from your trip to Fort Kent. <laughs> and uh, how were the potholes on Route 11? Terrible. Were they, they terrible? were very, very, uh, it, was, it was a very terrible road. Did you guys call Ted Talbot immediately to let him know about the about We're actually going to call John Martin. Okay, we that's... Know. <laughs> we know <laughs> how things get done up there. <laughs> talking, to the, talking to Nate Libby, Mains Big Z. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.